You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. Welcome to the Author's Leverage Podcast. This is Parshel Tashi, and I'm your host and your guide as we embark on a number of amazing conversations with authors, publishers, those who are leading in thought leadership. Um, I'm so, so excited for this conversation that's coming up today. And I'll start it off by asking this question. What is playing in your personal podcast? I love this topic. Terry and I talked about this before she uh, before we started recording here. And when you think about that, a personal podcast, if it's your internal dialogue, right, what's happening there? So I'm excited we're going to dive into really the power of our words, why they matter, and how we can infuse them into our work, especially as communicators, teachers, thought leaders, right? We want to really put emphasis and focus on the importance of our words. So I'm really excited to have Terry Short with us today. Uh, let me introduce her and read her bio uh, so that you know who she is. Terry is a leadership coach, speaker, author, and course creator who's passionate about serving leaders and finding their joy. She's changing the world one word at a time. She's always on high alert for words that minimize or limit and those that elevate and inspire. So she wrote a book on this topic and created four online courses. She coaches leaders of Fortune 500 companies to hone their impact and own their perspective through their word choices. Terry is passionate about serving others and thriving to lead from and to a place of joy. Um, she's guest spoke on a number of podcasts and has been interviewed on various mediums, including Fast Company and NPR. Her book, the Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Word, How and Why Words Matter, was a 2020 American Book Fest finalist, and she won the Bugby Falk Book Award as well. So, so exciting. Uh, Terry, welcome to the Author's Leverage. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm a, amongst a great audience. I've listened to a lot of your podcast, and it, there's, there's some great people. Saying good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> I love this. Um, tell me a little bit more, like give us some more of your backstory when it came to like really having that awareness for the power of our words. Hmm. Well, early on in my career, 20s and 30s, I was in hospitality and very, very high end um, resorts. And, you know, I'd listen to how the staff said things, two things. I'd listen to how staff said things to, to the customers, to the clients, and I'd listen to how leaders said things to the employees. And I, I spent a lot of time shaking my head. <laughs> say, what? That is not what you meant. Or it's not, you know, you could be more assertive. You could be, be more certain you're choosing words that are minimizing. Then I segued into healthcare. And that's was such an honor to be uh, responsible for improving the physician experience, the patient experience, and the employee um, experience and their engagement 
again, boils down to word choices. And so I've always, I've found myself in this sort of high alert for what people were saying. And I think that is not what you meant. And so I wrote a book about it. That's amazing. And and these are word choices when you, when you're referring to what they're actually verbally speaking to each other or even in what they write or in both, like where were you seeing the show up most that it was uh, standing out to you? Right. All over. That's a great question. So, and so what I did was I formulated the book to start with, um, as you said in the intro, that personal podcast, didn't call it that at the time, but really that your internal narrative. And then I moved to um, second chapter is more about with loved ones because there can be triggers and there's a history, so on and so forth. And then in the world at large. So I cover the isms, sexism, racism, phobias, and different things that we say. Um, and then ageism, not sure I said that. Um, then I moved into words at work. And after that, words that aren't spoken. So email, Twitter, what do you do on 140 characters, you know, that kind of thing. And, and how we're communicating even with emojis and such. And last but not least, I talk about words that we choose when we are connecting to a higher power. And, you know, so choosing wisely and setting your intention, whether that's in prayer or um, when you are calling for guidance, let's say. I love that. It's essentially starting with yourself and then kind of bridging out even to, uh, like you said, a spiritual, you know, conversation, let's say the words matter there too. Can you give me an idea of like, you know, what's an example I should say of a word that we might uh, assume it means one thing or it's coming across that way, but then what maybe is a, a better or more powerful word? Absolutely. So I made recently a little sentence about this. So if I might, I'll read it to your audience sure. because it's a good way to keep some of the keywords in um, top of mind. So here's my little sentence. And if you're listening, I encourage you to write this down. I will when I want and I get that I can. So then if you cross out all the eyes and you cross out the word that, you're left with will, when, want, and get and can. And I'd like to talk about some some or all of those if we have time. Yes, and absolutely. Like, yeah, and what replacement words we have. So these are the positive words, Parshall. Like these are the one, the re, let's call them replacement words because the way it works is you, you can't just say, I'm never gonna use that word again. You're, you will have a trigger for the prompt to use that word and you need a replacement word. So let's start with will. Will replaces might probably, you know, when, when we say, you know, we'll probably meet our goals or um, we might finish this project on time. That's like offering a dish, a very large dish of uncertainty, right? Mm. So switching that out and saying we will. And when you have your personal podcast, let's say you're, you're writing a book. I might be able to write 10,000 words this week. If I say that in my own mind, then it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like if I, when I assert that I might be able to, then it's true that I am uncertain. When I say I will, I'm introducing that certainty. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. That's huge. What would be, because uh, because can, right? We talk about something that you can do. Um, right. I see that like very, I, actually all the words that you just, you just uh, referenced are really powerful words that, you know, tie to, especially as entrepreneurs, as creatives, mm-hmm. as communicators, like we, there's something that we're going towards. 
um, right. that we're building towards. So when we think about will, and then you can, <laughs> mm-hmm. what what is that? What is that replacing? It replaces can't straight up. So okay. if you're, you know, I've done exercises before where you write can't on a post-it and you just take the scissors and cut off the apostrophe and the T and and live in the space where you believe you can for because it's the same sort of thing. For as long as you believe you can't you can't do something, you're right. <laughs> so it's not until you believe you can do something and you start to have that as part of your narrative, that as the podcast playing in your head 24-7, that it that it becomes real. And that it becomes true. And that's so powerful. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. words that really, really uh, make a difference. And oftentimes mm-hmm. we know what they mean already, but then right. I think when we see it in a certain uh, a certain emphasis or a certain awareness of our words, like that's big as well. Um, do you find that to be a challenge? Is that what you noticed in, you know, in, in leadership, just that there was maybe not as much awareness of the words and it was just more of what they were used to using? Absolutely. It becomes habit, right? And we know it takes a month more or less to break a habit, depending on frequency of use. And so that, that's another thing about this list. I, I don't, um, propose that anyone set about eliminating any of the words, choose the one that's your go-to word. We, we typically have these types of habits. And, and so choose the one that you hear yourself ask somebody, do I say this frequently? Like mm. an example would be the word, but. We spend a lot of time, we have like you're talking to me and you have an idea and I'm listening and then I insert, but we also you know, would wanna look at this or what have you. That's a severing what you just said. And what I want to do is I want to extend it. I want to support it. I want to offer a collaborative joiner to that. And that would be choosing the word end. So and. I, and sometimes I do it to myself. I sometimes, you know, you might say to someone else, um, I want to share the data from this project we've been working on for the last few months, but we have faced a few obstacles. And so now I'm like, <laughs> And instead, I could so easily say, and I will also share that I will, and I will also share some of the obstacles we've encountered. That's a much more positive, assertive, hopeful um, approach. Absolutely. One of the words that I've swapped out in the last couple of years was saying, I'm sorry. I just realized that there's something I said all the time. Like, dang, I keep saying I'm sorry. There's got to be another way to express this. (laughs) That's right. right. And so there's a section about that in in the book. And I talk about the replacement for that. Um, So I'm sorry I'm late could be changed up to thank you for waiting for me. Right. Much more positive approach. And so, yes, I think that I know a lot of people who lean on that. Sorry, when they're they're at fault in no way, shape or form. In no way. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is really powerful. And it sounds like you've put so much into your book. And so how would how did you actually go about constructing that and writing Mm -hmm. it? Let's talk a bit more like what went into structuring this, because it's pretty, pretty hefty. Well, I'm glad you asked me that because, you know, I had that voice playing in my head too, saying I actually had my mother's voice suggesting that I didn't know anything about writing a book, you know? So here's the thing about the personal podcast. You get to decide you're the producer, narrator, host, director, you get to decide who comes on and who participates in that narrative. So I, I shut everybody else's narrative out that offered me doubt and I started doing some research. So here's what my research indicated. 
the average nonfiction book is 100, and, 100 to 120 pages long. Let's call it 110. To write 110 pages was going to be about 50 or 55,000 words. Initially, that sounded daunting. But then I started thinking about how then the next research thing was how many words can I write in an hour? Right. And then I said, how many hours a week can I commit to this? So I started making a goal that I'd I would write 10,000 words in a week, which that was a bit lofty because then you would think I'd have them all done in five weeks, right? 55,000 words didn't really go down like that. <laughs> so yeah, so you, you be realistic and think about the, um, the changes that have to happen. Like, so I kept a, in one note, I kept folders, let's say. And sometimes, Rochelle, I would actually talk to my iPad. I'd tell a story to my iPad, right? And then I'd go back and that gave me a leg up on my 10,000 words for the week. So I followed this very strict sort of um, process to keep me, because everybody likes to check a box, right? I'm going, whoa, 10,000, check. <laughs> and so I methodically got to the to that sweet spot. That's amazing. And then, and then in how you actually went about organizing these, you know, and structuring out the information itself, um, that is always very interesting, you know, depending on the topic and what, you know, so I heard you did the research, you mm -hmm. set aside the time, you committed to that. Um, but even when it came to organizing that, was that some, somewhere that you had more support um, through? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Just, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so pick your team and pick your team well. So I actually yes. chose, out of the gate, I was with 22 people. So I sent out the outline, which which was roughly going to be the chapters, right? So I mm -hmm. sent out an outline and, you know, saying, are these, do these topics appeal? And that before I did anything, I sent out this outline out of the 22, I had a dozen people sort of actively engage and respond and so on and so forth. So from that dozen, then I, when I started writing, I'd send things off or I'd seek a story or, or what have you from them. And in the end, it got down to seven out of the 12 ends up there's seven chapters in the book. So then what, each person of the seven got a chapter to review. So all mm. that happened before I even went, um, proceeded with my editor. So I all along got um, a lot of feedback. And, you know, yes. I wrote about things that I didn't have experience in. I There's a section mm. on grief and how to speak to someone who's grieving. Um, mm -hmm. There's a section on racism and I'm a white woman. You know, so I pulled in resources from all around and that was incredibly helpful. And it made the book... Um, much better than it would have been had I sat in a corner and done it myself. Yeah. And those, honestly, those uh, tend to be books that really stand the test of time and the stories and information mm -hmm. are just coming from, you know, definitely a well-researched place, right? And the feedback mm -hmm. came directly from, from those leaders, from the people that you were writing mm -hmm. to. So that's, that was really powerful. Yes. Yes. And I very much enjoyed the connections too, that I, that I maintain to this day and some of the people that I um, reached out to for research and such, yeah. um, which is super fun. That's the way to go. Now let's switch gears and talk a little bit also about, again, what you're teaching in words that matter, you know, our language gives us options as leaders and how to communicate. So What's your, your best advice that you uh, would share with those who are listening in who are leaders and maybe are um, maybe in the process of writing a book or wanting to improve how they communicate with others? What, what advice comes to uh, that you're able to share specifically to how we can have just a little bit more um, thought that goes into the words that we're choosing? 
It's an excellent and very loaded question. So there's a lot to unpack there. I believe that we are better served to always be thinking about whether or not what we say. So it's like, what's in my head, what's in my heart and how it comes out of my mouth. Um, that we are always ensuring that, that, that those words and what we are is in tied to our intention and to our values. So head, heart comes out as we intend it and is tied to our values. Well, that means that you have to be more clear about your intention and your values. And you can already tell in this um, time that we're having, I'm a pretty fast talker, right? So that, that space, that, that's like a nanosecond. <laughs> there you decide. So I say, my advice is practice the pause slow down. I do that myself. Slow down and ask yourself some questions that start with what or how. What is my intention here? How will this serve the other person? How will this serve me? Whether I'm writing something, you know, an email to someone or I'm present about to present, I want to practice the pause, stop and ask some what how questions and dig deeper into the purpose of the communication I'm about to embark on, whether it's a whole book or it's a meeting or it's a conversation that we're having. I believe as humans, we're just geared to go snippety snap too fast and we don't do that pause and assess for intention and purpose. I love that. I love that. So pause. That's, that's, I wrote that down. Practice <laughs> uh, the pause. Yeah. Practice the pause. I love that. And and for those that are listening in today, listening in for you know to a replay, whenever they listen to this episode, if they adhere to some of the things that you're saying and pick up your book and start to change up how they're communicating, what's in it for them? What's mm -hmm. the the benefit um, for them? Maybe they already think they communicate really well, um, or or they realize that I could do a little bit better, whatever the case is, what's the end result? How, how do they improve what happens in their lives when you're able to choose your words more wisely? Well, I'm very confident that one will realize their higher potential, right? When they take that step back and they're much more intentional about what they say to themselves. So that, that's how we started this conversation, what mm -hmm. that internal narrative is and how I change that up to be more supportive more inspiring, more elevating, as opposed to minimizing and limiting. So it'll it'll start to bring about my, that self-awareness that you talked about. And then that will enlighten my potential, like open me up to all of my potential with those that I serve as a leader, uh, with my loved ones, you know, what have you. And so it starts with those word choices. I love it. I love it. And Terry, where can, uh, and thank you for, thank you for that. Where can people reach out to you, connect with you as well? Cause this is really powerful information. I think that others will want to take part in. I know I am. <laughs> well, I, you're, the timing is fantastic. Just this week, we've launched our new website, which is thriving leader collaborative.com can reach me at a shortened version of that. Terry spelled T E R R E at thriving LC com, And uh, I just hope that people will reach out and connect with me directly. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that those are linked below for, mm -hmm. for those that want to do that. And as we wrap up the conversation, Terry, I would love for you to answer this question. I asked this question to just about everyone that comes on, which is, and it's funny because you're the word person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the question is, what is your one word? You have one word to, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you would say that you would put out as, you know, this is the word from Terry Short to leave with the world. What would that be? Joy. 
Joy. You know, that's what my organization does is we help leaders find the joy in leading others, which starts with being super clear about what brings you joy. And we will live in a better world when everyone gets a, a better, a bigger grasp on that. Right. So joy is my word. A hundred percent. I love that. Yay. I love that. Yeah. Well, Terry, thank you so much for being here on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. This is amazing. Is there anything else that you want to add before we close up? No, I, you know, I'm going to go with a, what I like to say a lot is that yours is the voice of humankind. So use it well. Hey, yeah. that is, that's a, that's, that goes on a t-shirt or something, I think. Used <laughs> <laughs> to mean, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Terry, thanks again. This is such a good conversation. And for those that are tuning in, again, thank you for being here and checking out the podcast and what we're up to. As you can see, we have so many great conversations with authors, with thought leaders, with um, those even in the book publishing space. I appreciate Terry for coming on and want to acknowledge her for stepping out to write those 10,000 works a week as much as she could get done to put out our life's work. And I'm excited for her and excited for you if you're listening in. If you ever need any support around doing more with your book, I like to call it get more bang for your book. That's what we're about here at the Author's Leverage. We offer master classes, we offer workshops, as well as full done for you services that will help you go from book to course in less time than it took you to write it. So that's what we're here to support you with. And I'm so glad that you tuned in. Uh, if we can ever help you, definitely reach out. We're at theauthorsleverage.com. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, 